Hi everyone, welcome to Luxury Voices, the podcast about the luxury world in Asia with a focus on the greater China market. I am Joanne Tang, your host, founder and CEO of Infinite Luxury Group. In this podcast, we converse about all layers and segments of luxury, from lifestyle, travel, to hospitality trends. I will interview key players of the luxury industry from all corners of the globe. We will talk about their initiatives and experiences in conquering the Asian luxury consumer. Discover how leading luxury executives handle this growing market where luxury spending is the highest in the world and gain a wealth of knowledge to harness this ever-promising luxury market. Our luxury voice joining us today is Ingo Schwader. Injecting fresh ideas and provisionalism in the rapidly expanding wellness hospitality sector Ingo Schrader brings together more than 30 years' experience in the spa and hospitality industry. Founder and CEO of GoCo Hospitality and Managing Director of Holworth HTL Health and Wellness, Ingo has led the design, development and operations of some of the most iconic wellness hospitality ventures around the world. GoCo Hospitality has completed over 3.5 billion US dollars of luxury, health and wellness projects on five continents, owns the Glen Ivy Hot Springs in Southern California and manages GoCo branded spas and retreats in strategic spots around the world. Ingo is also the advisory board of Amala, an advanced luxury wellness destination in Saudi Arabia developed by PIF, the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia. Ingo and I go back a long time and we met during the hotel opening of the landmark Mandarin Oriental in Hong Kong in 2005. Ingo and I will speak about the status of the world of wellness in the current climate, the future of wellness and wellness travel, the ebb and flow of wellness trends, recommendations to hoteliers on wellness initiatives and some of GoCo's hospitality's very exciting projects. Ingo, it's a pleasure to have you here on Luxury Voices. How have you been? Thank you. Great to be here. Great to reconnect to you, uh, Joanne. Same here. Let's go into our conversation. The world of wellness has been interlinked with the world of luxury hospitality and with the world of travel. Travel abruptly came to a stop globally a few months ago. How much and in which aspects has the world of wellness been affected by the COVID-19? Well, COVID has changed a lot due to the initial lockdown, which was worldwide. Uh, the actually the home equipment, this means the gym at home, the yoga at home, experienced the biggest growth. And there, through technology, some like in other industries, wellness providers, wellness companies, fitness companies, spa institutions, they all created a lot of content. And this content is now uh, available free of charge on apps or related uh, through everybody around the world. So the gym and the spa very often came home through the COVID situation. But what the COVID situation also created was an enlightenment about wellness. There's much more 
focus today on immunity and on preventive medicine and the experience is creating a much more primary wellness travelers and primary wellness consumers so that uh, the industry at large knows that wellness travel or focus on wellness-related services while you're traveling will experience a tremendous growth uh, throughout the entire world. People who have been locked down and people who have experienced that they uh, cannot move as freely as they want to, they want to have leisure travel and therefore wellness-related leisure travel will tremendously grow. Another uh, aspect is people's mental health. And there's now open discussion about personal well-being and what is forthcoming. There's lots of anxieties and uncertainties and uh, people talk openly about it and they have learned that practices like yoga, meditation, tai chi, qigong really go very deep and have a profound impact on your personal balance and therefore the uh, mind-body related practices have uh, tremendously uh, grown. We can see that over the years the, the wellness travel has, uh, has grown dramatically To give you a number, uh, wellness travel in the Far East was around 139 million people. And in 2017, just two years after, was 830. And in 2019, was uh, 1.3 billion people who moved around the world for their major reason being wellness-related services. Therefore, wellness-related travel has experienced a tremendous growth over the last five, six years. And because of covid and the know-how and the insights people have gained through the COVID situation will further expand. The developing markets are everywhere in the world, and the Asia-Pacific market has grown by 57%, and therefore has actually experienced the biggest growth, but of course from a smaller base. Therefore, this growth will continue, and wellness travel will, I think, become very much a primary focus of the leisure travel at large. Great to hear about the growth in Asia and all these exciting happenings. Is that worldwide or are those changes different in Asia compared to the rest of the world? Uh, Asia came from a smaller base in terms of wellness travel, but now already is generating 50% as much as North America or Europe, who are still right now the, the leaders in the field. And we can mm -hmm. also clearly see that the consumption of the Asian traveler, the North Asian traveler, the traveler from Korea, Taiwan, China, Hong Kong, Japan, they actually, while the world wants a lot of authentic treatments and authentic modalities, they want cutting edge, modern, result-oriented services, which is very different than other parts of the world, for example, The, the European traveler wants very often ancient services like a traditional Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine. The Asian traveler wants, who has had that all his or her life, wants to have much more modern, much more cutting edge, newly created uh, wellness services. Those wellness services are often based in a very thorough analysis and diagnostic of your state of health, which today through technology can be done in a very few minutes, in a few seconds, where technology can understand, analyze, and diagnose 
what is your heart rate, your uh, body mass index, or what kind of vitamin deficiencies you have, uh, what is the status of your mental makeup. That can be all accessed today in uh, small moments, in, in a few minutes. And therefore, treatment regimes can be much more targeted today than they could in the past. Therefore, the future of wellness travel will be into a diagnostic and an analysis of your state of health and then reacting towards this with the regime and the treatment process, which is commensurate with your exact needs, your personal exact needs, which is different than the previous modalities, which were more generic and were not as targeted towards the respective individual. Wow, how interesting. Who is the best position to be benefiting from those changes and the new demands? Are luxury hotels well positioned today to capture these opportunities or will they need to adapt, have a full wellness program, not just a spa and get seriously professional about wellness? Well, I mean, leisure travel will grow and return the most. We have seen this already in the countries which opened up. Business travel has not returned uh, in the same proportions, but leisure travel and leisure resorts and leisure environments have already experienced a tremendous uh, return and comeback. Therefore, so the leisure industry will be the imminent winner in terms of market share and related. What one has to be careful is there's a term we are using, which is called well washing. We want to make sure that now where many hotels suddenly uh, advertise to us, oh, I have a wellness program, I have this amazing yoga teacher, I have this spinning teacher, and I have a neutral part or you know, something like this. One needs to make sure that the services which are being offered are sincere, that they are in an environment uh, which is commensurate with the needs of that particular environment, and that the services are provided in an authentic, meaningful manner by practitioners who are uh, highly professional and educated. And uh, unfortunately, like everything which is trendy and wellness right now, immune enhancing exercises uh, are very much in. Uh, many people jump on that, uh, which don't necessarily have the background, the insights and the professionalism uh, to, to support that. And that's called well washing, is it? It's well washing, yeah, well washing. Yes, actually, uh, by the Global Wellness Institute, and actually, the, the the document is partly prepared by us. It's an analysis of the entire well washing industry, where simply too many people jump uh, on the mm. tremendous need now and don't do this as professional as they as they should or could. Very interesting. And how do you and your company cope with these changes? What is the most drastic change that you have made? Well, we have made, uh, let's talk briefly about an office because many of us work in offices. So yes. we install everywhere air purifiers. So we have a near perfect uh, 0.05 particles in the air throughout wow. our entire building. We're occupying a six-story building in downtown Bangkok and it has everywhere clean air. All the water we drink is alkaline enhanced water. This means we have pH levels of 8.5 to 9.5, which is alkaline balancing water. This means there is no negativity in the water and we are drinking water, which is very good for consumption 
of our body. And then we hired a, a chef, a health chef, and she goes every morning to the organic market uh, to provide healthy food. So I think it's important that we as business owners also learn that we have to provide the kind of environment for our uh, employees and colleagues to be commensurate with wellness needs. So I think that's a very personal one, but I think that's a very important one which came out of that. Other than that, I think it's all about education. I think uh, this pandemic has uh, ensured that we all need to learn much more about what it takes to be healthy, remain healthy, or get healthy again. And I think uh, that's of paramount importance and us in the hospitality industry at large, in the luxury industry in particular, uh, we have a responsibility towards our customers that what we provide is authentic and real, geared towards making the stay pleasurable, but also be a, a healthy experience, a good experience, and a, and a formidable experience. Wow, I come and work at your office hearing all this. <laughs> come over. <laughs> Already for a few years, we have witnessed an increase of interest in wellness here in China by the luxury travelers. And we believe that this will continue to increase post-COVID-19. You have worked on several projects across China. Are China guests different in their expectations of wellness? Is there anything in terms of design, treatment, etiquette that is important not to miss? Yeah, we did the two Bulgaris in, in uh, Shanghai and in Beijing. We did the Octave living in Suzhou. We're doing right now a project in Suzhou. And uh, one of the interesting things is I'm fascinated by Chinese medicine. I think Chinese medicine, ancient and full of wisdom, has helped me in several occasions to uh, be treated extremely successfully and extremely thoroughly. However, having said so, the consumer in China, when he or she travels abroad, wants to have treatments and experience modalities from that part of the world. That's one thing. And secondly, when they are consuming uh, procedures in China, they go to their local uh, friend to have Chinese medicine being delivered in, a, in their around-the-corner shop. But the desire for cutting-edge Western international treatments is actually what the Chinese consumer buys when uh, he or she goes out there. And uh, if you look at gyms, some of the most cutting edge uh, gyms in China, if you look at uh, Space Cycle, where Tencent as well as Alibaba mm. invested uh, with us, uh, it's a cutting edge world class gym uh, facility, which you, you know, which needs its equal to find in Hong Kong or in uh, uh, in London, in Paris, or in New York City. So China is on some of those areas really on the edge of, of what is modern, what is trendy, what is commensurate with a great experience. But it is not necessarily the ancient traditions of TCM which are celebrated in those luxury facilities. You have done many projects all over the globe. In a recent interview, you said a spa needs to be authentic to the local culture and environment. Given the increase of the Chinese luxury travelers in the world, do you foresee a need for luxury hotels, wellness programs to cater for those specific travelers and draw inspirations from Chinese ancient wellness traditions or habits? Often we see wellness come and go 
changing with the demands and the interests of a generation. Ancient practices like TCM, complementary Chinese medicine, mm -hmm. become popular before they disappear again, only then to reappear again in the future. This is why wellness is full of ancient practices. Mm -hmm. Chinese medicine is not a trend. A trend remains active for one, two, three, four years. Chinese medicine is a few thousand years old and is still very strong. So it has a profound impact, is real, and it truly heals and supports people. Right now, Chinese medicine is most popular in the hotel and leisure environment outside of China. Because people in Europe, people in North America, are fascinated by what a country, an ancient country like China, can do, has established, has procedures and processes and research made on what is profoundly healing. For example, Ayurveda is not in, it is not asked for in North America, uh, sorry, in Northeast Asia at large. So in Japan, Korea, Taiwan, China, you don't find much Ayurveda. But what you find is biohacking. You find biophilic design and resilient design in some of the latest developments there. You find the most sophisticated steam and water experience at Octave Living in Suzhou. Mm -hmm. So these are all not from the roots of China. They are imported for abroad. And why is that so? Because a Chinese consumer has grown up with TCM. He or she went with mother and father to see TCM doctor or the TCM doctor gave advice back home. They want to have something else. They want to have something new. They want to experience the next generation of healing modalities. Therefore, there is perhaps a misunderstood uh, alignment. So the West loves it because the West never knew about it. In China, they prefer what is cutting edge in the West. It's a bit of an oxymoron, but it's reality in terms of what is being bought and what is being provided. Today, hoteliers around the world are either fighting to capture local guests and also getting ready to attract travelers from the international markets towards a reopening of most borders and flights. For them to give confidence to those potential guests that they are in good hands, what would be your recommendations to those hoteliers for their wellness initiatives, specifically for resorts? Well, I mean, number one, as we shared earlier, resorts will be the ones who are prospering the most. Uh, the key is, of course, sanitary, clinically sanitary procedures. And that is nothing else than buying the right products with whom you're cleaning your facility, which is not the ordinary cleaner, but it's a cleaner which is also used in the clinical environment. That ensures that all the, um, the germs and, and related can be removed. But what I think is many people are not aware of, that there is a couple of very simple household uh, things which are related to wellness, which kill the virus. For example, the virus cannot survive in an environment which is warmer than 50 degrees Celsius. That means any sauna in the world is above 50 degrees Celsius. The virus cannot survive in above 50 degrees Celsius, which is very well documented by Professor Kohn from RMIT, who really released a white paper on it. The other one is pools. Many governments didn't understand, but 
chlorine. Chlorine is a poison. And chlorine is actually killing all kinds of bacteria. A virus cannot survive inside of chlorine. So being in pools which are chlorinated to 95%, the virus cannot survive. Another one is mineral spring bathing. The Chinese hot spring economy is approximately $20 billion strong per year. The virus cannot survive in a mineral spring bath because of the sulfur and the minerals killing the virus. With other words, if you go to a hot spring bathing facility, you can be sure that the water doesn't have COVID because it couldn't survive in there. So with other words, people need to realize that there is many very obvious, very natural, very, very much facilities which we all know, but they don't relate yet to the fact that they can help you to actually fight COVID. So it's the sanitary uh, precautions, it's the social distancing, it's the mask wearing, it's all of those good things we, we know and we hear about, but there's also environments like sauna, steam, mineral water, which helps you. And last but not least, your immune strength is a direct, relationship to what you eat because if your body has a lot of immune strengths inside through the consumption of the right ingredients which strengthen your organs which means the superfoods the ginkgos and the gingers and the the nuts and uh, so many good things the fish oil uh, which is all available and very very much found in chinese uh, cuisine will help you tremendously to remain healthy be healthy and not get infected. I guess a lot of people are thinking that with COVID-19, you should uh, avoid saunas, pools, hot springs. Yes. Uh, but actually, people uh, don't know or don't remember that actually the virus can't survive in those right. areas. So that's why it's actually still good to go, still good to go to saunas, yes. pools and hot springs. Yes. Yeah. Very interesting. You are now working on some very interesting projects. I would like to talk about two of them. One is close to me, uh, which is in Suzhou, a town of uh, 45 minutes drive from Shanghai. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a water town where there's lots of uh, remains of old China. Mm -hmm. What would define this project from a wellness standpoint and how much are you going to draw from Chinese ancient healing ingredients and practices to influence the program? Our new Suzhou project after Octave Living is a very small project. It has beautiful ancient homes there, houses there, Mm. which we are going to rebuild there and they're all on the waterfront. We have on Taiho Lake an entire waterfront setting where we're going to recreate the exact architecture of those uh, partly dilapidated homes and build within those a very small, high-end, 30-room destination getaway. It will be a combination of uh, wonderful, healing, organic food prepared by, by fabulous chefs It will have very personalized wellness services, which have things like uh, exercises like Qigong, Tai Chi, but also yoga and meditation. It will have a a very beautiful uh, water aqua, aquatonic setting there. And it will have uh, all seafront located uh, water accommodations, 
where you wake up in the morning and if you open your curtain, you see nothing else than uh, water in front of you. This means you are one with nature. And then it has uh, organic gardens within. It will have a library where we do a lot of lectures there. So do we going to draw on Chinese medicine? Yes, we're going to draw on Chinese medicine, but we're also going to draw on more cutting-edge wellness modalities like biohacking through the various foods and exercises, genetic manipulation. We're going to use wearable technology to understand you better and then give you a very personalized wellness journey tailor-made for you. Wow, sounds very exciting. The second project is Amala. It is a mega project which is going to be built on the Red Sea coast in Saudi Arabia. This project is huge in terms of its size and investment. Is it the project a project of a lifetime for you? And what is GoCo's scope of work in this project? Yeah, Amala is more than a destination. Mm -hmm. uh, in Amla, one will create transformative personal journeys which are inspired by the art, culture, and wellness and the purity of the Red Sea. It is put in place by the Saudi Arabian uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund. They have put an extremely interesting uh, 63 square kilometer uh, facility with incredible corals uh, in the ocean with incredible rock formations and it's all non-sharia compliant. This means the same rules and regulations and in the rest of the world which are non-religious will apply there. The Saudi government has spent the total project cost is 16 billion of which 1.6 billion is purely for the wellness core which will have an international accredited research institute from Oxford University and Columbia University. And the board, uh, the CEO, Mr. Nicholas Naples, has put together, includes people like Horst Schulze, the founder of uh, Ritz-Carlton Hotels, mm. uh, George Raphael, the founder of Region Hotels, Barry Sternlich, who founded Starwood Capital, people like uh, Ed Mady from Dorchester Collection, and uh, I also was recently invited to the board of this uh, organization. So very interesting international senior hoteliers who come together, who are really going to create a once-in-a-lifetime unique uh, uh, wellness, art and culture and sophisticated purity of the Red Sea embracing facilities. Wow, it sounds incredible. Looking forward to hearing more. You live in Thailand, one of my favorite destinations. Thailand can be hectic, but it has a reputation for relaxation, spa, and wellness. In your opinion, where is Thailand today in the world of wellness? So Thailand is COVID-free since over 100 days. Uh, mm -hmm. Thailand with 65 million people uh, only had 3,000 cases and 58 deaths. So it, it has very well performed during the entire COVID outbreak and partly because it is closed. And they're going to open it up now step by step, but they want to do this very measured and they want to create an environment where only uh, wellness interested and related services will, uh, will open. This means they're going to open up only the leisure sector. Where people can fly in in order to participate in a wellness facility. 
where you are, uh, you know, get quarantined. But at the same time, this is a luxury wellness facility where you can participate in all kinds of wellness regimes. And then they are aiming at making it a, an industry where people spend uh, weeks here, uh, not days or quick quick weekend break, but that they uh, remain here for one, two, three or four months. So they have shifted their focus to from from a more mass market, a quick trip, a weekend in Phuket or Samui or in Chiang Mai uh, into a destination where they want to have travelers who come for longer periods, who participate strongly in wellness. And as you know, the Thai medical industry uh, is also a huge one. Uh, mm-hmm. The amount of international trained hospitals last year and the services are fantastic. So the entire wellness, medical, looking after oneself industry uh, will prosper tremendously in the months to come. And that's the immediate approach of the Thai tourism authorities. And where is the next destination for ultimate luxury wellness in Go? Well, for sure from a dollar spend is what's happening in Saudi Arabia. But I think the biggest destination is actually you yourself, because with the decisions you make every day, when you go to bed, what you eat, you know, what kind of exercises you make, that's when you determine how you will be, how well you will be or how unwell you will be. We are the masters of our own destiny. We determine through our actions, through our behavior, how well we are. And therefore, the ultimate destination is your own consciousness and your own behavior. That's a very inspiring answer. Thank you, Ingo. We're getting close to the end of our conversation. I would like to ask you a few questions, a bit more personal. You must answer them quickly and in just a few words. What is your most memorable travel experience? My most memorable travel experience, I think it was in, there were two. One, when I was 17 years old and I had an internship at Andy Warhol's factory in New York. It was oh. my first trip to New York, working for a pop icon like Andy Warhol and seeing what happened in the factory, in this creative art base in New York City in the late 70s was a very, very interesting, uh, impressionable uh, situation for me. The other one was when I went the first time diving in Belize. Belize, Mm. Central America, um, you find the most incredible wildlife. I mean, you see sharks and stingrays and all kinds of fish uh, 50 meters from the shore. And somebody who grew up in cities, uh, Mm. then being in the middle of Mother Nature underwater there, it was an incredible impression. And uh, I saw the first time a big white shark. And quite frankly, that was uh, kind of... uh, it was kind of sizzling and had uh, la- la- <laughs> left a lasting impression. Those sound like wonderful experiences. You are always bursting of energy, working many hours a day. How do you switch off? Tell uh, us your secret. I, um, <laughs> <my> sec- <laughs> I have no secret. I, I eat very healthy. Healthy food gives me a lot of energy and rejuvenates me. So that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't smoke. I drink relatively little and if then only good red wine. And uh, I believe uh, we make always the choice to be negative or be positive. And my glass is always half full. 
and I believe in a positive approach to life because, you know, I've been given this gift to, to live and I should make the best out of it. So, yeah. And I surround myself with positive people as much as I can. Mm. So healthy diet, don't smoke, drink only good red wine and be positive. Mm, yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> I think those are some of the attributes. Mm. And I have a great wife, a great Hong Kong wife. She nurtures me. <laughs> ah, that's very sweet. Yes. Choose one. Bangkok, Kilimanjaro or California? Bangkok is a great combination of amazing people, wonderful food. And Thailand is a great travel destination with many sights and sounds. Yeah. Bangkok. Great. Bangkok. Ingo, it was a true pleasure speaking with you today. And thank you for being one of our luxury voices. Thank you for being part of that. Good to reconnect, Joanne, and um, wishing you uh, and your organization only the very, very best. Thank you, Ingo. Thank you for listening to this episode of Luxury Voices. If you have enjoyed it and found this episode useful, please share it with your network, like it, rate it, and help us spread our voices. You can find information about today's voice and the podcast content in the podcast notes. Luxury Voices is a podcast created by Infinite Luxury Group, a luxury sales, marketing, communication specialist based in Asia. Please tune in for the next episode. Bye for now.